Hi, I'm Margie and welcome to the Desert Island Dishes podcast. This is the podcast where every week I ask my guests to choose their seven Desert Island dishes. These range from finding out about the dish that most reminds them of their childhood, the best dish they've ever eaten, and of course, the last dish they would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast as it really does help others to find the show, which, let's be honest, is always good. And if you haven't already, well, it can be your good deed of the day. If you're here in the UK, what a funny old week we've had. It feels like spring has come and gone, but by the time you're listening to this, we have been reliably informed that the sun will be making a reappearance. So fingers crossed, that's true. I've been eating hot cross buns to try and keep warm and that needs to stop. This is a really exciting episode. I know I say that every week, but genuinely, I can't tell you how much I love doing the podcast and it's just so fun that so many of you are listening. Jo is a true inspiration. She's the definition of success. And yet, she's also unbelievably nice. She's funny and she's cool, which just goes to show you really can have it all. Enjoy today's episode, whatever you might be doing, and I will see you on the other side. My guest today is Joe Elvin. Joe was the editor of Glamour magazine for 17 years, and with Joe at the helm, Glamour sold more copies in its sector than any other in Europe. Joe has recently become the editor of the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, and throughout her career, Joe has won many awards, including being voted one of the 100 most powerful women in Britain, and Joe has been awarded editor of the year no less than 5 times by the British Society of Magazine Editors. She is without a doubt one of the most respected editors in the industry today. Having grown up in Australia, she moved to London in the early 90s and we are very glad she did. Welcome Joe. Gosh, I don't know if I can live up to that <laughs> lovely introduction said in your most dulcet radio oh. Tones. I'm very impressed. I'm trying my best, Joe. Sounds um, amazing. But you yourself are a podcasting maven. And I don't have a fabulous voice. Like yes, yours. you do. A scrappy silly. Australian twang. But yes. And I don't have these fancy microphones. I well, my, 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 to get them. Yeah, they are very fancy. How does it feel to be described as one of the hundreds mo- most powerful women well, in Britain? Well, uh, yeah, that was news to me. Oh, really? Where did you get that one from? Oh, from a quick Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll live with it. Yeah, yeah, where was I? Like number 100? No, you are very near the top. <laughs> it actually wasn't in numbered orders. You were just like the most powerful person in media. Oh, that's exciting. That must have must been an old list. Whack it on your CV. <laughs> yeah. So you grew up in Australia yes. in Penrith, which is a suburb of Sydney. Yes. And you describe it as being a bit like Essex. Um, well, in that it's, you know, it's about an hour west of Sydney. Okay. And it's not cool. Okay. Sorry, sorry, Essex. <laughs> but I'm so, with you in solidarity. Were you waking up to sort of beach views every morning? Uh, it wasn't, no, no, not at all. No. no, exactly. That's, you know, it was the very flat suburban industrial, although not that far away from some people might know the Blue Mountains. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. But okay. I didn't wake up to mountain views either. Okay. Sort of like <laughs> in a flat sort of valley of, you know, yeah, just suburban boxy houses. It, it wasn't glam. Okay, yeah. that's the thing about Australia. It's so big, isn't it? Yes. It's, yeah, it's yeah. enormous. That seems like a good moment to pause and talk about the first desert island dish. And that's the dish that most reminds you of your childhood. Wow, gosh, there's so many. It's I, I'd say it's probably my grandmother's rice pudding, Ooh. which doesn't sound very Australian, does it? But obviously, 
I think her parents were English and they came to Australia. I don't know when. I don't know what she did particularly, but she used to make everything from scratch and it would take hours. And I remember being so impatient and having to get through my vegetables. And they were very, very fond. My mother and her mother were very fond of throwing a kidney in a meal. There was lots of steak and kidney pie and all this sort of thing. And I'd have to eat that because the incentive was I would get this cinnamon topped, slightly burnt in that fab way. Yeah. Rice pudding. Yeah. Yes. With like the sort of burnt skin on the top. Yeah. Skin's a bad word, but. <laughs> that's, maybe, maybe that's why I, you know, I'm quite happy here because I like that kind of stodgy comfort food. And I, I used to get in trouble with my other grandmother. Well, not in trouble, but she used to make amazing roast dinners. And we used to always go around there for a lot. And uh, it was the big family joke that once, apparently when I was about seven, I said to my grandmother, I really love grandma. I love the way when you roast the pumpkin, it's a bit burnt. Oh. <laughs> it makes it taste so good. And everybody was like, but it did. It really, I loved that sort of like charcoal-y flavor. I mean, that's a backhanded <laughs> compliment. I don't know what she's complaining about. Yeah. <laughs> Sydney now has this sort of global reputation for being this incredible place for food and sort of the epitome of wellness. Was it like that when you were growing up? It was, yes. And I think that probably not in the suburbs where I was from, but when I sort of started working and I worked at a magazine called Dolly and started meeting very cosmopolitan young women who I found so exciting and glamorous and they were very into I can't remember. I, I don't think there was like trendy ingredients in the same way. Although I do remember, I, I definitely remember when a sun-dried tomato was the most exotic <laughs> ingredient you could have. And it was like, you know, Australia as well, particularly Sydney and Melbourne, huge Greek and Italian communities. And I maintain that you can't get a better cup of coffee in the world than anywhere besides Sydney or Melbourne. No, it's sort of like, it's, I, and I think it's the Greek oh, influence. That's, that's interesting. And so that was, you know... I hadn't heard of focaccia until I was about 20 years old. You know, there was all those sort of like Italian deli influences coming in that I think Australia was a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of those sorts of influences coming in. And then, of course, it's so near Southeast Asia. So Thai food was always enormous when I was growing up as a kid. And I mean, it was it was like McDonald's in Australia. You couldn't move. It was like a, a, a Thai restaurant every three steps. Oh, good problem um, to have. And yeah, and all <laughs> fantastic. So I, and it was really surprising to me. I mean, we love Indian food in Australia, but it's not as big as it is here. It's much more about Chinese, Vietnamese, Thai. And I don't think that's changed that much. No, that's interesting. That's yeah. interesting what you say about the coffee. Cause yeah, it's sort yeah. of, it seems like the Australians are kind of repelling all the big Starbucks and cost. They're just not around. It's just amazing. Independent. Not as much. No. And I think that it was, I went to Australia about a year ago and got there really early in the morning and before my room at the hotel was even ready. So I, I went and had a coffee and I, and it just hit my brain. Like I, I don't know what, like a bolt of lightning. Yeah. Like, God, <laughs> I'd forgotten that this is the best place in the world for coffee. We were, my husband and I were in New York a couple of weeks ago and he was like, they love their, you know, sort of like their artisan coffee shops. And I was like, it's a shame they can't actually make a bloody cup of coffee. That, uh, really, the coffee in America is shocking. Yeah, it's so different country yeah. to country, isn't yeah. it? It's so interesting. And we can't fail to mention that Australia is the land of the Tim Tam. Oh, well, yes. Is there a better chocolate biscuit? I don't think so. You know, I've always got British people going on to me about the penguin. Well, it's kind it's of not like a same. penguin, but a re like penguins are so much worse. Although I do, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I approve of 
the way that Tim Tams have kind of gone a bit off piste. Oh, what are they really, doing? Well, I think they've they've just gilded the lily somewhat with their salted caramel, too and many their white chocolate, and their peppermint. I think you can't beat the original. Yeah. Yeah. Your face has I, gone really serious. Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> might abide a double-coated chocolate one. Oh, I think you'd have to let them but through. I, I do think the classic is the way to go. Yep. We need to bring them over here. Yeah. Yes. Well, you can, I think you can get them in, say, Harvey Nichols for about £15 well, pounds for a pound yeah. or something. Yeah. So I only let myself eat them when I'm there. Yeah, when I win the lottery, I'll stock up. So the second desert island dish is the first dish that you learned to cook. Oh, well, that's pretty easy. That is spaghetti bolognese. Great option. Because, yes, I mean, my, well, I'm the oldest of four kids. My mother, uh, they sort of, my parents got into some financial difficulty not long after my fourth, my my little sister was born, she was number four. And so my mom, I think, had sort of like not planned to be a working mom at that point and then suddenly was. And I was about 13 or 14. And so she taught me for expediency, yep. <laughs> how to make spag bowls so that she didn't have to cook every single night when she got home. It was a very so, clever lady. Yeah. So it was usually like about once a week I was on spag bowl duty. And was it good? I think so. Yeah. Although my husband and I disagree. I like a really almost sweet, sticky kind of tomato sauce. Yeah. Um, what does he like? No, he likes it a little bit more. I don't know how to describe it, but I, I, I like a really, really rich ragu-y tomato taste yeah. and he doesn't. So I think you're right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we don't have much spaghetti bolognese in our house because we can't agree on it. Oh. So yeah. <laughs> Are you a keen cook? Like who does the cooking at home? We both uh, cook. I, I'd say we're both keen. Neither of us are ever going to sort of like put Nigella out of work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we like it. And he's, for as long as I've known him, been a really hardcore vegetarian. Oh, right. What, what I mean, I don't mean militant vegetarian. I mean, just, you know, doesn't even really like an egg, you know. But we, I don't know, we kind of split that up. It's whoever's got the cooking mojo that evening. Sometimes yeah. it's neither of us. And yeah. sometimes <laughs> tonight I'm going to cook, I think, from Melissa Hemsley's new book. Oh, yes. I think it's called Eat Happy, mm-hmm. isn't it? And um, she does an amazing from scratch sort of Thai curry that we both love. So I'm probably going to do that. So if he's a vegetarian, does that affect how you eat? Yeah, it does. I don't eat as much meat at home. Um, We have a daughter and she's not that keen on meat either. So yeah, no, not a lot of meat gets eaten in the house. I do during the day or if I go out for dinner, but I'm really happy to have a mostly vegetarian diet. And from what I see on social media, you're a pretty keen baker. Uh, Well, it's funny if people say that. I'm I'm keen. I don't post a lot of food on Instagram because I don't think I'm an amazing cook, but I just find it so relaxing. Yeah. Um, particularly like, it's, you know, it's a horrible day today. If I was at home today, I'm sure some biscuits would get baked. Yeah. And then eaten. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and that's another reason I don't bake that much because there's only three of us and then you kind of feel yeah. compelled to eat the whole thing. It's so dangerous. But yeah, I just find it, I, there's something I'll never get over about the alchemy of cooking. I'm not, I'm not the sort of person who pulls things out and experiments. I do like a recipe. Yeah. But I'm always amazed that you just read the instructions and something happens. It's magic. It's really oversimplifying, doesn't it? But it's No, true. Yeah. especially with baking. Like how do those ingredients turn into cake? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so and clever. I, I love that. And I love cooking for people. I think sometimes it's been a roaring success and sometimes you can just tell by the fact yeah. that everyone's sort of like just getting through it and not yeah. really saying much <laughs> that perhaps it didn't quite work. Yeah, the moment but, someone yeah. asks for seconds, you're like, yes, yeah. it must have been nice. Yeah. No, I, I always think it's it's telling when 
people are polite about one course and then go mad. You're sort of like extolling, you know, the virtues yeah. of another one. You think, oh, okay, so they really hate yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it like that. <laughs> um, if I was to ask your daughter the first question about the dish that most reminds her of her childhood, what do you think her answer would be? Well, she's an incredibly fussy child. So, Who is she? Um, I, you know, whenever we go out for dinner, it's it's burgers and pizzas that kind of tend to feature. What would what would she say? I don't know. I don't. She's not passionate about food. Okay. So yeah, if she, I think that she's kind of she hasn't found the things that she loves except for junk food. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Some people never. Sorry, that's not a very. No, 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 not at all. You have to ask her. The the third desert island dish is the best dish you've ever eaten. Now that's a tough one, isn't it? Yep. Um, I think to me, there are so many amazing meals that you, I've, I've not kind of got the the story about the fancy chef who cooked this or that, but I, I think probably for me, it's all about the atmosphere of where you are. And one thing, one of the things that does spring to mind is a few years ago, friends and I, there was my friends from Sydney, my husband and I, we both had a sort of like a 12-month-old daughter and we went on holiday to Italy and we allowed ourselves one day where we left the babies with the nanny. Yeah. Got a boat to Capri <gasps> oh. and I had this magnificent salt-baked cod that we shared. Obviously, my husband had something else, but the three of us and we just sat in this, it was a restaurant on the beach. I can't remember what it was called, but it was sort of like carved out of rock. <gasps> So it was just the setting and it was being a new parent. I really appreciated that free time. Yeah. <laughs> more than I possibly would have the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it like was, a moment in time you yeah. couldn't recreate because of all yeah. of those things. And just without being a downer, one of one of the members of our party has since deceased. Oh. So it, it, it just is just a really, it's such a special memory and a special time. Yeah. And so I, and I think that that's what I associate. It, it's it's more about, obviously, we've all had amazing meals, but then, you know, I've been starving to death of not eating for six hours at the fashion shows. And so a bloody McDonald's is like the yeah. best thing that's ever happened. So <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to just think about what was going on around that meal at the time. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. And, and the people that you're with, that has such a huge effect, doesn't it? So you say that you knew from a really young age, like the age of 14, that you wanted to be a journalist. I wondered what is it about journalism that excited you so much from such a young age? That's a good question. I'm not sure if anyone's ever asked me that before, actually. I think it was just a combination of things, sort of like the the access to the people who are making things happen, you know, the access to people who are all sort of like creating the culture and the zeitgeist and just being part of that. I was never going to be the pop star making the music or the actress on the film star. But it, so just being part of that interesting world of things like that going on was very, very exciting and glamorous to a teenager, of yeah. course. And I think I've always loved the collaboration of coming up with ideas. I love writing. It, it was that that sort of mix of all of those things. And just it just felt so, to me, the media is, is still so exciting where you get to not only report the conversation, but be part of the conversation. And I, you know, between this job at you and Glamour, the one thing I really knew that I would miss was having that audience to connect to. I love talking to audiences. Yeah. Yeah. And you seem like, 
such a go-getter because you worked from a really young age and you knocked on doors and you got out there and you seem to just make things happen. Does that mean you were very confident? I think I, I guess I was. I don't know if it was confidence or arrogant naivety. <laughs> I, you know, I just don't know. It was like a friend of mine who <laughs> actually gave me one of my first jobs and is now a friend wrote a book about her career in the media. Her name is Marina Go. And she wrote about me. I was a you know, very young teenager when she met me and she wrote something like, you know, this this scrappy girl from the Western suburbs had the arrogance to think that she belonged in glossy magazines. And I, I guess it probably was arrogance. I don't know. It's just more stupidity, really. No. <laughs> I, I just kind of had that. My parents were very, very good at sort of saying to me, if you want something, you just have to work hard. And they were very, my father was very big on, lectures about not taking rejection personally. And I think that in other areas of my life, like things like boys and and friends and things like that, when I was rejected, I used to take it very badly. But this was the area where I channeled all that energy. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, it just felt like, well, you know, here's somewhere where I think I can just keep going and succeed. So I just wanted to try it. Yeah. If you don't try, you don't know. Yeah. And, you know, so that's why I ended up here. I look back now and think, I would not move to another country now and with very little money. And yeah, it's very brave. Yeah. Well, I said, well, again, stupid. Yeah. You know, it's, I think that you just don't think things through in the complicated way when you're young that you do when you're older. Yeah. Something I like to think about is, you know, when you're younger, sometimes you play that school and um, that game at school where you poll people and say, like, who's most likely to succeed or who's most likely yeah. to be famous? If we could go back in time to your school, what would people have said about 12-year-old Joe? I think they would have said, because I was always, you know, I used to get good grades and I was known for taking all that side of things very seriously and known for being a bit of a dork, you know, not being popular with boys uh, or all of that sort of thing. Bit of a dag, as we call it in Australia. was What's like a dag? Well... Just, I don't know, someone unfashionable, unstylish. So I nobody. Dag was something to do with sheep's. It bottoms. is. Yeah. Well, oh, that's right. where the oh, right. comes from. So, okay. yeah, that, that's, that's the technical term. It's a bit of poo stuck in a sheep's that, wool. That's a really good crossword yeah. clue. But then, you know, so to be called a dag, okay, which is like a. Not a great thing. No. But, you know, I was. I was a dag. And, um, I don't know. I think a lot of kids go through that, but I was, I was most definitely a dag. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought that as something that, you know, became a popular word over here because of all the Aussie soaps, but I don't think anybody would have said, oh, she will end up editing fashion magazines. I think that people used to say, oh, you'll be successful, Joe. But I think, I don't, really, I don't think anybody, including me, knew what that might mean. They just yeah. knew I was good at school. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so who knows? The most important question of the day is the fourth desert island dish. What is your favorite sandwich? Favorite sandwich, gosh, I mean, anything with melted cheese on it. I just don't, you know, if you've had me at melted cheese, you could stick it, I don't know, you could stick that on something moldy. (laughs) I have to be careful not to get incredibly starving hungry because then all I want to reach for is the comfort of melted cheese. Yeah. So is there anything better? No, I don't think there is, to be quite honest with you. And if I'm having to grab something on the go, if I go to M&S and they've sold out of the rare roast beef and horseradish, then it's not a pretty sight. Yep. <laughs> I'm not very happy when that you happens. You get the rage. <laughs> not, yeah, the inward rage. Um, so, yeah, not. I don't have a very exciting answer. I, I think that… I, Melted cheese is always an exciting answer to me. Yeah, and I'm always looking for ways to sort of posh that up. But sometimes 
Poshing things up as a mistake, isn't it? Yeah. Just keep it how it was meant to be. You know, a bit of sort of spring onion and some Worcestershire sauce on there <laughs> with the melted cheese. Getting really happy fancy. with that. Yeah. <laughs> so you've done so many amazing things to date. You launched the immensely successful Sugar Magazine, followed by Bee Magazine. Then you became the editor of New Woman before being invited to launch Glamour Magazine. But of all those things, what is your proudest career moment? Gosh, I mean, well. I- at the moment, it was, it was glamour. The launch of glamour was amazing. It was, you know, at a point when everybody said, I mean, and we were, you know, obviously going around to see advertisers and even potential magazine readers saying, but there are so many women's magazines. This is a, a lot of people won't remember. It was a time when there really was an absolute ton of magazines. And I just have always maintained that there's room for something if it's good. So we just had to try and make it good. Yeah. And, but to be honest with you, I was, I was thinking to myself, oh, it'd be great if we could sell 250, 300,000. And the first one sold over 500,000. I just was, it was extraordinary. I remember them printing a lot and panicking about how many they were printing. (gasps) Yeah. I mean, you can't really replicate that feeling and I can't even really describe it. Just the, the relief and the thrill and the trying to appreciate it at the time. And yeah. Because as we know, you know, print magazines are having such rocky times at the moment. So it's nice to remember the good times. Yeah. I'm glad that I, I did it in the good times. Yeah. When you were asked to take on that role, obviously that's so exciting and, and you were so qualified, like you've done all of those amazing other things. Were, were you really confident going into that role? I think you have to have faith and you can't, yeah. you have to drive forward and you have to just be get on with it and try and do your best. Yeah. I mean, I had the confidence that they were investing a lot in it. They were really supportive of it and they wanted it, Condé Nast wanted it to work. But you are, you're always plagued with, you know, you can have one day where it's all going well and you think you're looking at the board with all the pages and thinking, this is amazing. And then the next day your cover star drops out and oh. you feel despairing. It's, it is a roller coaster. Yeah. Do you ever suffer from imposter syndrome? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I think everybody does. Yeah, I think um, so. But I think that what I tell myself is that everybody does. And, you know, you've got to just keep going because I, d- I think that ultimately everybody kind of slightly feels like they're not quite sure what they're doing yeah. <laughs> at some points during the day. And I think, you know, I think it's the people who sort of have those feelings and overcome them and put them to one side. You don't get rid of them, yeah, but you learn to live beside them and be rational and think, well, you know, no, here's the, here's the things that I've, I've done and that I'm good at. And here's what I've done today. That's pretty good. So yeah. Yeah. Those are very wise words, Joe. Well, you just, it's, I think that I'm not always good at having perspective. You can ask my husband, yeah. but um, it's ultimately you just have to look at the track record and take a moment in the here and now and think, is there really a disaster happening here and now? No, there isn't. Yeah. Actually, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. After having been at Glamour for such a long time, it was 17 years, and now you have a new job being the editor of You Magazine. When you started that, did you have that back-to-school feeling? Oh, um, yeah, 100%. And yeah. when you stopped at Glamour, was there anything in your mind that was like, maybe I'll retrain as an accountant and just do something different? Um, <laughs> no, when when I stopped at Glamour, I think I was just thinking, you know what, I'm just going to stop. Oh, I ha- really? I, I didn't, not forever, no. but just I wasn't trying to fill the hole immediately. I yeah. was just like, you know, maybe you should just have a break and just a well have, a, have a think break. about it. And, you know, if this hadn't come along, I may well still be on that break, but it was such an opportunity. 
you know, everybody else has been here sort of 15 years and I'd been at my old job for about that time. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying being challenged again, but it is, it's like they're getting used to me and I'm getting used to them. It's yeah. a really interesting time. It's such a big adjustment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And you have to just, I don't know, be patient with it, I think. Yeah. yeah. Also such a big adjustment and quite unusual to sort of come into that, you know, you're the big boss, but you're feeling like the new person. Like that yeah. was quite an interesting dynamic. Yeah. I think you just have to get on with it and as much as possible be the person and, and the leader that you want to be and yeah. just be as communicative as you can and be as clear as you can about what it is you want to do yeah. with this title. Yeah. I think that's all, you know, as long as people understand, trying to, as long as people feel like they understand what you're going on about. Yeah. I think, I think they're respectful. So, yeah. I think in a nutshell, that just sums up why you're so good at your job. The- well, I, I hope I am. We'll see. Yeah. Well, you are. The fifth desert island dish. What is the dish you eat the most often? <sighs> yeah. I don't know, actually. It's probably a range of sort of peasanty dishes. It's a range of like, you know, a chickpea stew or something like that. My husband's very good at sort of rubbish pot vegetable concoctions with rice or... Like a a fridge forage. Yeah, exactly. We're very good at, you know, using all the ingredients. We we try to anyway. Yeah. Probably that. I mean, I'm so dull really. It's not dull at all. The thing is I'm, I don't know, I like to know exactly what I'm eating. So I'd rather just have some grated carrot on some lettuce and a side of chicken than yeah. reach for a packet of something. Do you know what I mean? It's like I, so I'm not really a ready meal okay. person. I'd much rather have something that even if it's like the other night, I was I just really was so tired and so stressed after the day and I was home on my own and I didn't really want to cook, but I, I still, but, but I, so I made a vegetable frittata with some eggs. Do you know what I mean? And that takes mm. like 10 minutes. Yeah. So I'd rather do that than. Yeah. And you get your and get a takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. You get your 10 minutes of meditation. Yeah. Yeah. The cooking. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that this is probably a cliched question to ask you about the devil wears Prada, <laughs> but with Miranda Priestley, everything I know about you and everything I've heard about you, that's the complete opposite of how you are as a boss. Yeah. But I think it's the complete opposite of how most magazine editors yeah. are, if but I'm I, honest. But I wondered, was there any part of you that sometimes thought that might be quite fun? to just well, act like that. Yeah. I mean, I hear, I, I do hear certain stories and think, God, I wouldn't dare. Yeah. I, and I, I joked before I came, you know, if people knew anybody at You Magazine, I'd say, tell them I'm terrified. <laughs> but then you hear, like, there was a rumor going around that I banned food from the office. Oh. And I don't know where that came from. That's and a very I, random and rumor. I, and on my first day, I put on Twitter, they all seem really, really nice at this new job, but... <laughs> There's a worrying lack of snacks. Oh. <laughs> and the deputy editor said to me, I just burst out laughing when I read that because we had heard that you you don't like food in the office. And so <laughs> we we all sort of like, we're, we'd cleaned it all away. Who started that I don't rumor? know. She won't tell me where she heard so it. so random. But, um, yeah. So I thought that was interesting that you, I, I don't know where that's come from. It's anyone who knows me knows that it's the total opposite. I'm always yeah. the one going, who's got biscuits, you know. And um, to set the record straight, you're very much in favor of snacks. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I, isn't it funny that I, I think with particularly that Miranda Priestley myth, I think for some reason people want to project that sort of persona onto yeah. magazine editors. And I don't know why. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I think yeah. that is what it is. 
So I love talking about people's successes, of which you've obviously had many, and it's seriously inspiring. But I do also like to hear about things that may not have gone completely according to plan, as I think that can be equally as inspiring. And I when I was researching you, I found an article from many, many years ago where you talked about what you thought was your biggest career mistake. Oh, right. And it was back when you were editing Sugar Magazine and the Spice Girls uh, wanted yes. to be on the cover. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's ancient history. Could you tell us about that? Well, it was just, you know, um, what was I? It was like 95 when they sort of were emerging. Yeah. And I'd gotten a call saying, you know, would you put this new girl band we've got on the cover? They're going to be huge, Joe. Trust us. I mean, the thing is, you hear that 50 times yeah. a week from PRs. And at the time, I'd come from TV Hits magazine to this job at Sugar where, and it was true. It was a fact that only boy bands and boys on the cover sold those pop oh, yeah. magazines. That's so true. So I said, no. I mean, I didn't know who this band was. They were very new. It's like, I, it's a, it's like launching a business every month, putting that person on that cover. So I said no. And it was probably about eight weeks later, I was in Northern Ireland for this event we were doing for readers. And the crowd control was just not happening. And these these kids were just going wild in this shopping center, like, because we were giving away free stuff. And, you know, we were sort of like being, we were being stampeded. <laughs> and the security guards weren't really helping. And I'd sort of like was begging for more help with, with crowd control. Yeah. And by coincidence, over the tannoy on the music on the shopping mall, Wannabe came on and it was like some sort of like weird trancing. All these kids who'd been sort of like ready to scratch our eyes out to get some free makeup (laughs) suddenly just all started sort of like stopped and then like, you know, mouthing the words and humming. And I just thought, oh my goodness. Wow, I've really fucked up here. This is like, you know what I mean? So I sort of went back to work on the, that was on the weekend and went back to work on the Monday and said, actually, I would like to do that cover. That'd be great. And they were like, they're doing the face. Oh, no. So, you know, um, <laughs> so not only did I miss out, you know, the style press were like, oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, right. no yeah. one could have predicted that. Like, well, the like face you, did. Well, they're obviously, you know, much bigger arbiters of zeitgeist well, than myself. That was eight but, weeks later. I mean, what the Spice Girls did was kind of extraordinary, wasn't it? It so was you groundbreaking at the yeah. time. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll, we might let me off the hook for that one. I definitely like yeah. off the hook. Yes. Yeah. I want to know the sixth design and dish. That's your go-to dinner party dish. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because my husband and I tend to really share the duties on this. My go-to dish is his because then he does all the work. Oh, ideal. Uh, okay, what's that? What he makes he make? a, is it called spanakoptika? The, yes. the Greek kind of feta and spinach Yum. pie. And I never get sick of it. Um, no, that's I'm delicious. Feeling really quite starving thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> he serves it. I'm not sure I 100% agree with his accompanying choice of roast potatoes, but oh, he also does do amazing roast potatoes. So that's not a combination I think I've had before, no, but I could weird. I could get yeah. on board with and, that. And a bit of a salad. And then I'm normally on pudding duty. Also, well, yeah, Jeff, he's making it. Yeah. Don't complain. So I like, <laughs> and the thing is my favorite pudding to make, which I hardly ever make because it's a heart attack in a bowl, is um, Joe Pratt, the cook, does this uh, white chocolate and Bailey's cheesecake but I don't have after the big feta pie I don't tend to make that so then I'd probably I quite like a lemon tart or something like that yeah something a bit refreshing yeah Mm. but yeah so when I have to make it well I'm not really I don't tend to make the mains because he my husband doesn't really like making puddings okay well no so I make great desserts yeah great answer do you throw many dinner parties I imagine you're no we we used (laughs) to but yeah no no, we don't actually when if we do tend to see people it, it, it I'm afraid it is either out or 
around and yeah, having don't, a curry. Don't yeah. be afraid that I yeah. think um, will make people feel a lot better. I think yeah. if you are doing all of this I, and I, I able do to like throw. doing it, but I don't know. This is like the weekends are, we're speaking of having a child now, the weekends are so busy with all her stuff that it's very rare now we stop and think. Because also if you want to have a dinner party, typically with friends all over London, you've got to really plan it in advance. Yeah, you really do. And then nobody really wants to commit in advance. Yeah, so. that's so true. And yeah. then when it comes to it, you don't know what's going to be happening that weekend. Yeah. yeah so we're, we're much more ad hoc, spontaneous, come around and have a curry type yeah. people these days. Yes, nothing wrong with that. I feel as the former editor of Glamour and the editor of You magazine, you have your finger firmly on the zeitgeist. What are your favourite places to eat in London? Oh God, I knew you were going to ask me. <laughs> um... Uh, do you have a favorite restaurant? No, I don't actually. Okay. Although I do love, and it's not new and zeitgeisty at all, but um, when I really want to treat myself, I love the schnitzel at the Delaunay. I just um. absolutely love it. I never thought I liked cucumbers until I was introduced to their pickled oh. cucumbers. Oh, yeah. Pickled and they're just fine. I've been so busy with this job. I'm a little bit... I'm afraid I'm going to very much disappoint you on no, my not zeitgeisty just... finger on the pulse. It's a myth. No, um, <laughs> but I, I'm loving you know because I'm new to the Kensington area, so I'm loving things like Clark's, which I never used to. Oh yeah, I get that's to go where to. I trained as a chef. Oh wow, yeah, it's so yeah. good. It's really good. Yeah. Um, right, we're on to the final seventh desert island dish. It just feels like real pressure. The last dish you would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island. I think it would probably be everything I normally. Do deny myself so nothing particularly fancy yeah. but it would probably be a hamburger with several kinds of cheese with a side of sausages with um <laughs> with a side of sausage yeah 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 just all the things i'd sort of deny myself yeah. on a daily basis i like it what else yeah uh you know um i'd probably have to pack these lovely salted caramels that you've you've given me yes <laughs> and i would um definitely wear drawstring pants so that I could then fit in the ultimate rice pudding. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, my that goodness. That I would, yes. you know, somehow channel my dead grandmother to get her to make. Yeah. yeah. Do, you have your, do you have your rice pudding with jam? No. Oh, no. Don't talk rubbish. Oh, sorry. No, just, sorry. Just, as, just as it is. Bit of cinnamon on the top. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Have yeah. you ever tried it with jam or is that a very No, English? I just think that sounds really odd. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. let's move on. <laughs> um, you're allowed to take with you one luxury item. It can be any anything you like. Do you know what it would be? And I'm so, I'm so so common, but I think it would be this sweet from my childhood called space food sticks. Ooh, they're really what are they? I'm sure they're rubbish. They're sort of like these strange. They used to market them as, you know, something that real astronauts would take into space. You know, that, oh, that, that, like, that, that advanced Australian space program. Like the space yeah. ice cream. Yeah, but it's like, it's just like two little sticks of nougat. Okay. With like very chewy consistency, almost protein bar consistency with a very, very strong caramel flavor. And I haven't had one since I was about 14 years old. And every time I go to Australia, I live in hope that they've brought them back, but no, they've discontinued them. But Joe, I will find yeah. them for you and we will ship I mean, some endless supply so to the island. common of me to want that. But that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that would be, I, that, that taste of my childhood would make me so happy. I love that of all the items in the whole world. I well, no, that's just... really embarrassing. But, <laughs> no, I mean, if you ask I me tomorrow, it. I might say something else. No, I love it. I don't know. Yeah. No, done. <laughs> um, thank you so much for letting thank us you. do your Desert Island Dishes. How amazing is Jo? I love chatting to her and I've fallen back in love with rice pudding since our chat. Although, don't tell Jo, 
I have it with dollops of jam. <laughs> Don't forget to come and find me on Instagram. I'm at Made by Margie. I share lots of recipes, various foods I'm enjoying. Uh, be warned, it may also contain sausage dogs. And I often waffle and prattle on Instagram stories. And I'd love to see you there. Thanks so much for listening. And I will see you next week. Bye. Bye.